0: If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of
1: reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. You're on Reality Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Uh, remember, you can send me a text, 2057, email me inbox at rallycheck.radio. Oh, we have back now our Professor Gardening Guru, The incomparable, wonderful, I sound like it's a circus act, Wally Richards. Good morning, Wally.
0: Yeah, and the ringmaster has spoken.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I always enjoy chatting with you, Wally. Tell me, what what gives you your good outlook on life, do you think?
0: What is my outlook on life?
1: No, you have such a good outlook on life, I feel. Uh You're always easygoing. Yeah. You're always pleasant. You're um, always happy. What do you think does that? Oh, I
0: don't know. Probably being amongst the garden and plants and um, it's relaxing and stressless and, yeah, yeah uh, it's, people that get into nature are not grumpy, but I am called a grumpy old man by people.
1: Oh, well, we've all got that. Yeah, yeah. You can't stop being an old man. And they just attach the grumpy to it because um, what happens is you say, well, hang on, that's not quite right. And they say, oh, you're grumpy. You say, no, but it's still not right.
0: I've uh, got a big sign on my door, warning, grumpy old man.
1: <laughs> what are you picking up around the country in the people's gardens?
0: Oh, quite a few things happening at the moment. Um We've got people uh of course have problems where it hasn't been raining, uh watering the gardens. Um that's why that's is
1: watering a, a garden the problem? Why is that a problem?
0: Because there's no rain, no and water restrictions, you know, in some areas.
1: Oh really? Um,
0: that that's that's not good. Somebody in Auckland the other day said, Oh, thank God we've got some rain at last, you know. Um So, so you could have
1: a you could you could be in Auckland with a beautiful garden. And all your veggies and flowers, and there's no rain, and then the council say, "Oh, there's water restrictions on, and your garden doesn't isn't that you're not allowed to water your own garden?
0: That's the way it goes, yeah. Or you're limited to times of watering and and only hand watering, which is good. I mean to so say these sprinkler systems, irrigation systems, um, they are uh, easy but they're not good because they often apply too much water and it's a waste um where the best way to water anything is you get yourself a a wand a watering wand and you attach it to your hose with definitely now listen wait for this with a housing and filter to remove the chlorine most important right? Yes. Because you're going to kill everything if, if you don't remove the chlorine. And here's another interesting one. I've had several people get the um, housing and filter off me recently and I've said to them, now what you should do is put a two-way adapter on your tap. So one side goes to the housing and filter and you snap your garden hose onto that and water your garden, right? Okay, that's cool. But on the other side, if you've got to wash down the path or something like that, don't waste your chlorinated, non-chlorinated water on the path. That's not necessary, right? But if you're going to wash the car or the windows, use filtered water. Why? Because when you wash with chlorinated water, you get the streaks, mm-hmm. and that's the chlorine that's left behind when the water evaporates.
1: My goodness.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't know that, and then they get – they wash the car, and, my God, they come back and have to rub all the streaks off. use so, filter water.
1: So tell me, you would you would recommend watering your garden standing there with a wand? Yes,
0: yes, because while you're doing that, you could be pulling out a few odd weeds, right? Yes. So you're not wasting your time by any means just holding your hose. Can you down. do two
1: things at once?
0: Yeah. And then you're checking the plants. You're looking, oh, oh, there's some aphids on that one. I better fix that. Right. So you're observing and yes. you're tidying up at the same time. If you've got roses, you've got your secateurs in your back pocket. You've got your hose in one hand, secateurs in the other hand, and you're deadheading the roses so that you so get it's not, another.
1: It's not wasted time.
0: No. And it's very relaxing watering the garden. Mm. You're just standing there. Hose in hand, <laughs> having fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, um, I get that. How do you know that you've given a plant enough water?
0: Ah, Now, the key to this is, of course, watering every day unless it rains. And this means you, you're moisture level, you're watering the top of the soil, which is keeping the underground water moist or the soil underneath moist. If you let the soil dry out by not watering every day, then, of course, you've got to give it a a fair drink to get that water down below. And also, the big problem happens is you get the thing called dry spot, or as we say, surface tension. Surface tension is caused by the soil getting or the growing medium in containers getting to the point that water will not penetrate, it shears off and goes to the side. Easy to see in a lawn where you have a, a brown patch in your lawn, right? And around the circumference, all the grass is lovely and green because when it rains or when you water, the water is shedding off and going to the grass at the side. The grass in the middle has... Uh, God brown it hasn't died, but it's just sitting there waiting for a drink. And to overcome that problem in a lawn, you or in your garden, or even in container plants, because when you water a container plant this time of the year, often they've dried out so much that you pour the water in with your watering can, and it runs straight through down the sides of the pot out to the saucer. Huh? Mm. The plant gets a little wee drink on the way through, and that's it. Next day, it's got its tongue out again, going, ah, where's the water? So when you have container plants, and if the plants in the containers are not too big, you should plunge them into a tub of water or bucket of water, right? And then you hold them down below the surface of the container and watch the bubbles and it just goes bubble, 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 and lots and lots of bubbles. Every bubble indicates a dry spot, right? Surface tension. When when it stops bubbling, you lift it up and you let it drain a little bit and then you put it back in the saucer or whatever, right? If the container plant is too big to do that, then you use your dishwashing liquid and it's the only useful thing for dishwashing liquid You add dishwashing liquid to your um, watering, warm water, lather it up a bit, water that into the top of the mix. That will start to break down the surface tension, right? And it starts to allow the mix to go and be nice and wet when you do water. Outside, same thing applies. Watering can, warm water, dishwashing liquid, lathered up, water into the dry spot on the lawn, and hay press, so... When you water, the water will go in instead of shedding off. It's a big problem this time of the year.
1: You don't use dishwashing liquid on your dishes?
0: No, we have a dishwashing machine. We oh. have little, little <laughs> plastic bags with, say, with, with funny things in them, <laughs> and we turn that on at night.
1: I, I was sitting there saying, anything, tell me. And the dishwashing liquid won't upset the plants.
0: No. But some people think that um, using soapy water will kill insects. And in a sense, they're correct, but it's a type of soapy water, right? Now, the only type of soapy water that works is the old-fashioned big yellow cake lux uh, sunlight soap, right? You know, the big... Big long cakes in it we used to use in the old boiler when we were gonna boil up our clothes, et cetera. They were the days, my God. No bacteria in those clothes after being in there for a bloody hour, boiled to pieces, and then out in the sunlight. So and what used to happen? After the boiler washing had been done and it cooled down, you would bucket it out, and what would you do with it? you would pour the buckets of water over your roses, right? And your roses would have no aphids. They'd be pest-free, right? Because the old-fashioned sunlight soap has got fatty acids. Those fatty acids break down the soft bodies of insects, such as aphids. So if you want to use soap to kill your aphids, you've got to get the old-fashioned sunlight. You lather that up. And then you put that in your sprayer and you spray the aphids and uh, that'll do the trick, right? It won't work on all insects, but it'll work on fat body like aphids.
1: It's an interesting thing. You mentioned old-fashioned soap. I don't have a sensitivity to anything. But I discovered, or I knew, I can't use normal soap and I particularly can't use that liquid stuff that people have in their bathroom. And I found the only soap I could use was Dove Soap. I felt like a, I felt like a um, pansy, you know, like a little girl or something because you think of yourself as a rough, tough thing, but it always makes my skin crawl. Cool. And so I took to making my own soap. I've made my own soap for years and years and years. It's very easy to do. Mm. And my skin is fine. But every now and then, if I go into a public restroom or something and I use the soap, it affects my hands. Isn't that funny? But ordinary soap.
0: Now, you're still using caustic soda to set the soap, aren't you? Yes, yes. So it's not the caustic soda. No. It must be other the things they put in.
1: I, I use, what do you use, caustic soda and I use vegetable and animal fat a bit of a mixture of two, and I make soap. every whenever, whenever I get low on soap, I go and make some with caustic soda, and I use beef lard and a little bit of olive oil.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: um I love it, and it lathers up, just like you say. And um my wife has everywhere those stupid liquid things. She loves them, but I just can't abide it. And um, for some reason. I might I bet my soap would kill the aphids.
0: Yeah, that you're talking about those things in a bottle where they're just supposed to wet your body or something and yeah. then you rub it all over yourself yeah. and then you rinse it off. Nah. Yeah. No, I like yeah. a yeah. cake of soap. A
1: and a cake. flannel. Yeah. And a flannel.
0: Dights nice castile soap or something, yes. you know. Yes,
1: it's the good. old soap I'm fine on. Isn't yeah. that funny? Okay. So this watering, I want to get this straight. When I'm watering, I do it every day, and they won't – because I'm doing it every day, I'm just keeping – I just moisten the plant and have the ground damp on the surface, and that's enough because I'm doing it every day. It's not dry beneath the surface of the water.
0: No, because you –
1: The surface of the soil. The
0: underground water will be coming up, right? Yes. And – after a period of time, it kind of runs out. But if it, if each day you're wetting the soil on the top, yeah. Well, you're not using the underground water so much because. No, no. So no, no. the whole thing tell balances me, out.
1: Tell me, does it make a difference? Because I think of water coming in by rain, and the rain comes in and wets the whole plant. And I also understand that there are there, there's minerals in, in the rain you don't necessarily get in your tap water. But the leaves are getting wet, and presumably some moisture goes in the leaves, and some comes up the roots. But if you have an irrigation system, like they have all those automatic ones that run along, they're just wetting the soil. Is that a problem?
0: Um, well, it depends. If you're talking about the... Irrigation system, the, the, the drip feed. Just, yeah. No. The only aspect with that, uh, and if you're in a glass house and you're not going to get rained on, um, that means the foliage itself will get dusty, dirty. Yeah. Um,
1: and the we solar but, panel won't work so well. Yeah.
0: Same, same difference. So what I do in my glass house um, with the non chlorinated water, and particularly on a, hot, on a hot day, um, is I will water the floor to reduce the temperature of the heat because the evaporation. If you've got a concrete floor or asphalt or concrete blocks or or gravel, even right, and on a hot day you wet that, and then the evaporation will cool the house. It's a it's a lovely way to mm. drop your temperature down from above thirty down to a reasonable temperature because your plants in the glasshouse will stop growing once it gets up into the 30s. They just sit there and go, oh, it's so bloody hot, I'm in a sauna. Mm. Right? And and they stop growing until it cools down. So venting the glasshouse is most important. Like you have a, a top vent, but in the old days in the glass houses, they had all these vents down low, down the side walls, right? Because I've had owned old glass houses from the past. It usually concrete blocks up to about desk high, and then your glass was above that, right? And and along the bottom of those would be great big vents that you could open and close, right? So mm-hmm. you've got the the hot air rises going out through the roof vent and then sucking in low the cold air. It mm. doesn't work so well through a doorway because mm. your doorway's too high. Mm. You don't get that convention current flow. And it's, and a lot of people in a lot of glass houses these days, of course, don't have that low side fence. Mm. So they do tend to get a lot hotter than they would do if they could vent the sides.
1: So watering every day, watering with a wand, you'd actually move quite quickly because like a fair bit of water comes out of a hose you basically wet the plant, wet the soil, and move on to the next one.
0: Yeah, yeah. You just give everyone a little drink. They're probably getting about 500 mils, something like that.
1: And that's Um, enough.
0: Yeah, because you're doing it every day unless it rains. And they're happy.
1: Well, I Um, think for memory, a tap runs, a typical tap runs, what, six litres a minute. So a twelfth of a minute's nothing. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, what about plants? This Is a bit self interest here asking plants in PB40 bags? Yeah, is that a problem? No, um, I got my little beech trees. I'll tell you the story, I haven't told you the story. I bought all these beech trees, I got a nursery with hundreds mm, 600 maybe beech trees growing. They're about head high now. I'm going to plant them out some a lot, most of them out soon. I've got them up about head high. I got them when they were quite small just over a year ago. And then I discovered that the one thing they don't like, they're very hardy, interestingly, but they can't stand having their roots disturbed. Mm. That kills them. I, my expectation had been to plant them in the ground and then dig them up. But that's a big no no, apparently. And so I planted them, I laid down weed mat, I have them repotted, and they're all in, I think they PB forties I got like big bags, plenty of room. Any is that okay for my okay. plants and watering them?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd water in the top or you'd have a irrigation thing, yeah, drip feed to water them. Yeah. Um you you, you must remember that if they're in Full sunlight, and you've got a black PV bag, uh, it's going to heat up soil. Yes. Right. So, um, if it's very hot, you could start burning roots through there unless there's enough moisture.
1: Got it. To so keep it so, well wet.
0: Yeah. Um, but then then again, if the bags are all like, you together. only got, yeah, they're touching each other. Yeah you've got the hive effect. So it's only the outer ones that are going to be sitting and direct sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So tell me this also. This is a funny one. We've got a long pipe. I'm going to say a hundred and over a hundred metres long, black polythene pipe running along the ground Mm -hmm. on a hot day the water's coming out of that pipe.
0: Like, very hot. Very,
1: very hot. Should be not. My wife reckons not to use it during the day and at night when it's cool and the water is cooler. Is that a thing?
0: No, because that hot water is only in the length of the pipe that's exposed to the sun,
1: right? And once it's gone through.
0: So, so if you turn the tap on and you go down to the water end where the water's coming out and yeah. – it, it's only a minute or two, and it'll be running cold. Okay. Okay. So then, the damage—hot water onto foliage of plants, scalding hot water—is is a weed killer. Because okay. if you boil your kettle and you go out, little young uh, plants growing in the cracks and the cobbles or something, and you My pour boiling—do
1: that every week.
0: Yeah, pour boiling water on them and kill them. Right.
1: Yeah. Now, I should tell you about my green fingers because I have, I'm going to say eight hundred beech trees growing. They've grown from sort of, oh, I don't know, chest height to over my head just in a year. I've only lost seventeen.
0: Oh good, yeah, excellent. so so you' you're going to plant these out on your property, yeah, and and then you're going to get that special honey from the bees, which is a beech tree. Um, what do they call it? Nelson honey, you've got it. It's it's beautiful stuff. It's black as uh, it comes from the beech trees down the coast there. So oh, I
1: should get a hive. Yeah,
0: and, and, and no, it, it's what it is. It's the insects, scale insects or whatever, feeding on the tree, peeing out honeydew. The bees collect the honeydew, and it's better than manuka honey. And it's got more health oh. properties than Manuka honey. But nobody wants to know about that because it comes from insect pee. Wow. Beech tree, um, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, but oh, well, yeah. someone,
1: a listener may send that in. Remember, you can send us a text at 2057. Email us at inbox at I must look out for that. And, of course, I've, I haven't done this. I've been so busy, I've got to get some beech detritus and spread amongst my um, leaves. I think it's pretty good, actually, uh, the Microsia, because um, it came from a very heavy beech tree nursery. And so I think they've got the, the, the fellow in Invercargill who sold me these trees, who name I forget, just a most amazing nursery. It was his grandfather. It's been the same business for something like 112 years, same family. Amazing. Right. Isn't that amazing? And, I just
0: remembered um, the name of that. It's It's is it? a beech tree honeydew honey.
1: Ah. Yeah. Well, you have that coffee in, I don't know, Vietnam or somewhere that, was it a raccoon, poos, eats the coffee beans and poos it out, and it's supposed to be a very special coffee. Okay, probably. I, but... I I tried it when I was there because it was a thing. It didn't taste any, different, any other coffee I'd ever had but the thought of that didn't exactly make my breakfast. (laughs) What other things? So we've got the water restrictions. And so in actual fact, the water restrictions shouldn't be a problem for you because as long as you're allowed to hand water your veggie and flower garden, you can do that every day and you get through because Mm. that's how you should be doing it.
0: And and of course, if you do get some decent rain, um, you can always put a mulch over the ground. And the mulch could be simply the lawn mown clippings, um, sort of sawdust, um, whatever you like. And you can put that to conserve moisture this time of the year. But the the thing with mulches is when you go into autumn proper and into winter and you've got a lot of rain, It holds too much water in the ground, and any plants or trees that don't like wet feet, such as citrus trees, will die. You'll kill them. The roots will rot because the moisture can't get away. So mulches are very good in the summer during the dry times to conserve water. But later on, when things start to come right with the moisture levels, you've got to scrape your mulches back. Otherwise, you can have massive problems later on. Most important.
1: Tell me, um, how do you figure you're watering out in winter then? How do you what? How do you figure out how much water to give plants in winter?
0: They don't need much at all. Like, if you have to water once a week, you'd be lucky. I Um, see. Your eyes you can see when a plant has got its tongue out the light leaves are drooping it's it's right so once you learn how to see what the plant is telling you the plant will tell you if it what's a drink because it's dry right and the leaves will droop what the drooping of the leaves and in a big leaf plant so like a cabbage the idea of the drooping leaves is the plant is trying to mulch the soil itself with its own leaves to prevent moisture loss, right? It's Amazing. retaining it. Yeah. So that's why. Now, here's another interesting one a lot of people don't realise. You have a tree, right? It could be a citrus tree. It could be anything. It doesn't matter what it is, right? And we have a thing called a drip line. Yep. Yep. You know what a drip line is? Yep. It's the, the circumference of the tree because when it rains, the leaves will move the water down the tree in a triangular formation sort of thing, To and then it will drop on the ground where the drip line is. The drip yeah. line is where the feeder roots are of trees yeah. and some plants. Right. Okay. Now, If you grow a small tree in a container, and that 100-litre container, the drip line is out beyond the container, right?
1: Of course.
0: So when it rains, it's not getting much of a drink because the leaves are shedding the water away off the growing media in the container. So containers have to be watered a bit more when you've got a a bigger plant like that. If you've got annuals or veggies or something small in there, of course, it's not going to be a problem. But Mm. for a citrus tree or whatever in a container, um, it doesn't get that. But the beauty of rain is it brings nitrogen down from the sky, right? So after a shower of rain or a day or two of rain, Everything in the garden comes to life. One, because A, the plants have got a nice dose of nitrogen to make them grow. Secondly, the soil life, the worms, the microcyllium fungi, the microbes in the soil have got a chance to populate because you've been killing them with your bloody tap-chlorinated water and, and they have a chance to come away. And after a couple of days of rain, everything comes to life. It looks good, right? Mm. Then when it starts to dry out, once again, you get your chlorinated water out on the tap, pour it on, everything looks yuck. It goes backwards. Most important. One of the big problems at the moment is whitefly in glass houses.
1: Just before you go on to that, I was just thinking, you're a bit like an analogue version of Twitter for gardening because you get phone calls from all over New Zealand so you're tapped into what is happening in gardens from one end of New Zealand to the other, aren't you? Yeah, it is. I, um, I mean, it's quite I, extraordinary when I think about it because people are ringing you with their problems.
0: True, yeah. And one of the interesting ones at the moment from a few people is, hello, where's all the insects? And, and they're saying bees, bumblebees, uh, pest insects, et cetera, et cetera. Not much. And the reason is Iron Musk with his bloody satellites, satellites. up in the sky, beaming 5G down is affecting things. And you reckon? Yes, definitely. It's a basically a known fact. Um, and yeah, so some areas obviously affected more, maybe because there's more cell towers, I don't know. But insects is a problem. I think we talked about
1: it a week or two ago, in, and in I England. jokingly said it could be W. I really, I mean, here's the thing: when this five G first became an issue and cell towers, I poo pooed it, right? Now I'm open to anything, right? But I didn't know that that you wow, yeah. See, I. Phew, could be killing it. That's that's like Silent Spring stuff, right?
0: In Australia, just recently, hundreds and hundreds of parakeets were dropping out of the sky dead. What killed them? Radiation. Where did the radiation come from? Uh huh. Cell
1: My goodness.
0: So thousands and thousands of sardines went up onto the shores of Philippines just recently. The people out there with buckets collecting them off the beach, millions of sardines. What causes it? Either sauna or radiation.
1: Do you use a fel- cell phone, Wally?
0: I have a cell phone, but I don't use it. Do Why do I have a cell phone? Because sometimes when you go out to somewhere and they're going to send you a code, my God. Ah, oh, yes. And you need the code to be able to carry on and do the transaction or whatever. Uh, I was given uh, from my partner uh, one of these A Apple 11 because she's got an Apple 99 now or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And and look, look, I I hate it. I hate it. I I try to do things on it. And the only advantage Uh. of this is we have a shop next door and we have a bell on the door. And when somebody presses a bell onto my A11 or Apple 11 or iPhone 11, uh, will come a message. Somebody's ringing the bell.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it, Wally. Um, Well, I wouldn't dismiss anything, right, because who knows? Okay. Who knows? I can't
0: remember it because I talk to so many people. But recently I wrote an article from Information from Over in England where a particular annual flower, has, they have discovered, has changed itself, so it is now self-fertile, in other words, within a few generations of that. And, yeah, it's changed the way it pollinates, and it can self-pollinate. Before, it needed a bee or something to pollinate it, right? And so the scientists got some of the original uh, seeds of that variety and planted them alongside, and then they discovered that the bees would go to the originals but would not go anywhere near the modified ones. And they modified themselves because they knew or they are aware that the pollinators are disappearing. Isn't that incredible? Nature looks after itself.
1: It does. So you were saying before I rudely interrupted, whitefly, glasshouses. Yep.
0: I've got lots of people now this time of the year because they haven't got on top of them at the beginning. They now have like hundreds and hundreds of whitefly in their glasshouse, right? And, and it's most frustrating on the tomatoes, the cucumbers, etc. You go in there, you touch the plant, and you get a mouthful of white flies. There's just hundreds of them fly at you, right? So they say to me, what to do? And I said, well, the cat's out of the bag, the horse is bolted, you know. You, all you can do is try your best to get them under control. My suggestion to them, we have a what we call Wally's Super Pyrethrum. Now, this Pyrethrum, is so strong that you only put one drop, one mil, into two litres of water for normal strength. Now imagine that, just one little wee drop into two litres of water and you've got an effective uh, insecticide.
1: One down to 2,000.
0: Yeah. And somebody just uh, the other day rang me up and said, oh, we had these problems with our these beetles at nighttime feeding on our trees. We, we took your pyrethrum and we made it up. We went out there, we sprayed them, and they were dropping like flies. I said, that's good value, right? Now, so the pyrethrum is uh, deactivated by sunlight or UV, right? In fact, in sunlight, after spraying, it's you're lucky if it's good for two hours. It's gone. It's completely burned. So the only time you use pyrethrum, ideally, is at dusk, just before sunset. <clears throat> so the spray will last all night, and anything coming in contact with the spray during the night where it's landed on leaves and so forth, get a dose, get it into their body, affects the nervous system, and they drop off the perch. Right. So a combination of that, and along with our super Neem Tree Oil, mm-hmm. And you spray under and over the foliage. Now, with your tomato plants and with other plants too, the older leaves, break them off, take them off, right? It gets rid of a lot of insects by doing so. And don't just leave them laying around because they're covered in insects probably. Put them in a plastic bag and seal it so that they'll die in the plastic bag. So do that. And then you've got less plants to spray. And much easier to spray. You spray up under the foliage and over the foliage, right? At dusk. Then about two or three days later, or five days later, another spray. You will get control. At the end of the season coming up, when the tomato plants have done their best and are finished for the season, at that point of time, what you do is you leave them in the house. And you burn sulphur powder in the house right. to fumigate the whole thing. You do not take the plants outside. If you take the plants outside first, all you're doing is taking the insects outside.
1: Waste Still of time. Where they are?
0: Yeah, leave them there. You zap them there.
1: And both of those products are perfectly natural. Yeah,
0: yeah. Burning the sulphur is a little bit dangerous. You don't want to stay in the house because you'll be a dead for yourself. Okay. that's for sure but the fumes of it yeah makes it difficult to breathe but it does clean up you you can do it with plants that are there but some plants will be affected and die some plants will recover I've, I've tried different varieties of tomato plants and some survive it after the fumes are finished and you open up the house and vent it um, if you do it while plants are there You can give the plants a light watering over Mm. the foliage to wash Mm. out the sulphur. Any sulphur-sensitive plants, they'll die for sure. So doing that, um, but the key to the whole thing, and I'm amazed, my little glass house, one of my glass houses, I've got two, um, I decided this season I will grow just tomatoes in one house, and I've got a jungle in there, literally a jungle. But a lady told me from up north that she had taken our cat repellent, which is naphthalene, and she had made little bags. Uh, no, she used tea bags. Old used tea bags. She'd taken the tea leaves out. She put the naphthalene flakes inside the tea bags and then stapled them up and hung them in her fruit tree. And she didn't have any gravel moth problems because the smell of the naphthalene disguised the smell of the tree and the fruit, and so the gravel moth can not find them, right? And I thought, like, brilliant. So I did the same in my glass house, not with tea bags, because I don't drink tea, but I went to the $2 shop and got those little gauze bags, little gift mm-hmm. bags, things, mm-hmm. stuck naphthalene in there, hung them up from the ceiling in the house. No white fly, not a scaric, except mm-hmm. the... And I've hung the yellow sticky pads in there to check. And I've caught the odd white fly, But I can shake my plants. Not a a thing. The smell has disguised it.
1: Isn't it amazing? After all these years, you're still learning. Yeah. And learning from your customers.
0: Yes. Yeah. They come up with some brilliant things at times.
1: How interesting. Now, I had listeners love your show, Wally. Love your ideas. I had a listener, not so much. They had a question about for Wally. A little bit upset. So I thought I'd give you an opportunity to explain yourself, Wally. This person was said, Oh my goodness, Wally, glycophosphate, roundup, using it. How could that be? And to be fair, I did think to myself, I think Wally uses it very sparingly and only in certain places. Tell us about your philosophy and practice of using Roundup.
0: The last time I used Roundup would be about 25 years ago.
1: Oh, really? We talked
0: about it on air, and what I was saying, and somebody didn't listen correctly.
1: No, I'm thinking that too. For the people that still
0: like to use Roundup or herbicides, if they were to add Rain guard, one mil per litre of spray, to the Roundup or herbicide, they will get a 50% better kill than not doing that. Hence they can reduce the amount of Roundup they use, which is normally 10 mils per liter, down to five mils per liter, bit of rain guard, and still have a better kill than they would have done at 10 mils on its own. Right? That's what the conversation was about. Not that I do it, but for people that still do it and like to use Roundup or whatever, because it's a quick way of doing weeds
1: why don't you use Roundup
0: why don't I well mm-hmm. what I discovered was when I did use it uh, not only did it make me feel a bit queasy afterwards and I'd have to have a shower and so forth but my Sharpe dogs that I had at the time they were having skin problems and I went to a specialist and he checked them out and he said do you use Roundup I said how do you know he said it's because the skin problems are caused by glyphosate on your dogs. They're walking through the weeds that you've killed. Really? Okay. So that that turned me off. And and another one was too about the same time. I used I had nurseries and garden centers in those days. And I remember spraying Roundup um, in one of my tunnel houses. And next time I went out there. There's a bloody dead hedgehog. I'd hit a hedgehog or he'd eaten some of the weeds or something that was dying, But I felt so sorry for this poor little hedgehog. And so, uh, once again, um, not a good thing to use, that's for sure. We have ammonium sulfate, which is safe to use, more expensive, but um, it can be used if you want to spray weeds safely.
1: Mm. So what was it like? What's it like as a lifestyle and business having a nursery?
0: So, so they again. What's
1: it like when you had the nurseries, right? What was that like as a lifestyle and as a job? Did you enjoy having the nurseries or was it just?
0: Um, I work seven days a week still because it became a habit. But the problem with having nurseries, garden centres, even on Christmas Day, you were down there watering right? So you'd be four or five hours down there, um, watering everything to keep it alive because you're in the middle of summer. Um, So your Christmas day was shot. Uh, You couldn't sit back and relax and forget about it, unless it was raining, of course, and that was a godsend on a Christmas day. Um,
1: (laughs) You're the only guy praying for rain Christmas day.
0: And (laughs) yeah. and then again, too, was, was having a garden centre shop. Um, the most frustrating is I had one or two customers whom always knew that I closed at five o'clock. So they'd come in at five to five and spend the next half hour wandering around the garden centre uh, before they might just buy a small little item, and you'd be there at five thirty waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> to, oh to leave, God. my God. Um it, I, I love the growing of the plants. Like we used to grow thousands and thousands of seedlings and stuff like that. And I, I could sit there all day pricking out seeds and sowing seeds and and putting them into punnets or whatever, or growing them into bags. Um I, that part I loved. Um dealing with people was great. Um I, I I, had a situation that I had three tools at the front counter, and I would operate all three tools on, on a on a fairly busy day sometimes, unless I had staff available to do, to help, and I'd have lines of people, right? And, and you know what it's like in a supermarket if you in a line of people.
1: Yeah.
0: It's bored, how's your father, right? But no, all the people would be happy. Why? Because each customer I served, I would explain to them about the plant, how to look after it, what, how to use that product, and they were all listening. They were all going, big ears, oh! And, and so by the time they got up to, to be served later and, and get their information, they were already happy that they, they weren't that great. chuffed Isn't off.
1: It? Isn't that great? I remember you learning to love gardening when you were a young boy, And I've recently had experience of my two littleies growing strawberries. Right. And they went off to the market and came back and wanted to buy a strawberry plant for $5.50, I think it was. And I said, sure. And my little girl, whenever she gets a yes, she always tries to double down. And she says, oh, well, I'll get one for my little brother too. Right. And I thought, no, I'm not playing this game, because then it will go on and on. We'll be going getting one for everyone. So I said, no, no, just one. So they went off. And the dear man that they bought off, my son says, he's clearly going to go to heaven, because he's such a nice man, gave them gave him a strawberry plant so they could have one each. Right. So they've potted them out. And they're so excited, and they're watering them. And it made me recall when New World, I think it was, had a promotion, they have a promotion, they've had, ran it for two years, I know of, where you would get little plants, little seeds, um, as a sort of loyalty thing, shopping at New World. I normally shop at Pack and Save, but I went to New World for these plants. Oh my goodness, the kids love, kids love planting and growing things, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. We have to encourage that. So anyone listening, if you've got grandkids or neighbors' kids or your own kids, my goodness give them a packet of seeds and they'll just have a it's wonderful to watch kids growing stuff the joy they get when they pop through
0: mm, yeah yeah um because it's natural for them yes they haven't become so sophisticated and so forth by being older that it becomes uh-huh, uh yeah because it, it's, it's
1: thousands and thousands of years in us to grow things it's what makes us human. Tell me, what else you are picking up from around New Zealanders' issues that are happening, Wally?
0: Um, let's see. That's interesting. My, my minds a black, my God. Um, oh. Pollination. Pollination of um, pumpkins, zucchinis and so forth. Hand pollinate. Most important. Oh, um, leafhoppers and stink bugs. Another two insects, which people are having problems with at the moment. This time of the year, of course, with the temperatures uh, as they are, um, these insect pests are breeding like rattlesnakes, so there's heaps of them, right? And you've got to get on top of them. Uh, Once again, watering by hand, you pick up the problems when they are early in the stage. You get out there later in the day. Uh, just before sunset, with your pyrethrum, super pyrethrum, and super neem oil made up. Now, the interesting thing with that too, in a trigger sprayer. I love tr- little trigger sprayers because they're so handy to use. Is you can you
1: mean have, a trigger spray on the end of a hose?
0: No, no trigger sprayer that you
1: tr- pull the container. Tr-
0: yeah, it's a one yeah. liter trigger sprayer.
1: Oh, it's yes, for spraying, yeah, weeds and weeds and
0: weeds insects. or yeah. insects or whatever. You can make it up, and if you don't use it all, ideally you take it out of the sprayer because neem oil can clog up, right? So you put it into another container safely, and then you rinse some water through your trigger sprayer and spray it so it's clear. And then the stuff you haven't used should be in a dark cupboard, mm. right? With a marked neem oil and So next time you want to use some, you just take that bottle, pour it back in your trigger sprayer, and go out and do damage. Um, You
1: can't leave it in your trigger sprayer.
0: You can, but the chances are if it's cooler or gets colder, the neem oil will solidify, and your trigger sprayer won't work. Okay. So it's best – and that's another that's another thing. A lot of people don't do the right thing at the end of spraying, whether it be, if they have herbicide, of course, they they should have a spray-up marked herbicide. Nothing else goes in there. So that's okay. But if you're using rain guard or vapor guard or oils or whatever, insecticides, fungicides, then when you finish spraying, if you haven't used it all up, you either decant it to use some other time, you put a good amount of water into your tank, your sprayer, give it a good shake, tip that water out, then put some more clean water into the sprayer, and then pump it up and squirt and adjust your nozzle till it's a jet, and you jet it out. Now, that will clean all the filters, all the jets Mm. through your sprayer. Mm. If you don't do that, Next time you come to use your sprayer, hello, you've got a tank full of stuff to go, but it won't pump out, nothing happens. Yet what do you do? Frustration. Frustration. Um,
1: now, sure. before you go, this might be too basic, but you said, oh, hand pollinate your zucchinis and your cucumbers and your pumpkins. Yes. How do you do that?
0: Okay, if you look at a zucchini or a pumpkin, you'll see there's two different types of flowers. One has got the embryo fruit behind the petals, and one hasn't. The one that hasn't has got a stamen that's like a um, a male stamen. Yes. <laughs> I got it. You got it, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so what you simply Think do… for
1: yourself, Wally.
0: The female flower will have an ovary, and that's what it's called an ovary in the center with the fruit behind at the base of the petals. So I take, pluck a male flower off, remove the petals so the stamen is prominent, and then I just poke that into the female flower ovary and and touch that, and some of the pollen goes onto that. Okay. Self pollinated, or it's pollinated at that. The only thing is, of course, you've got to be careful the neighbours don't see you doing this in the garden because if they're woke, they'll, they'll be upset.
1: They'll call the police. Tell me, if you don't do that, will you not get any pumpkins?
0: No, unless a bee or bumblebee or something as a pollinator moves the pollen from the male to the female, what will happen is your little pumpkin will actually grow And you think, oh, that's good, that's nice, that's growing. And next thing it goes all rotten.
1: My goodness. So um, why do you need to hand pollinate pumpkins? Is this because we've bred them for our gardens and as part of the process of breeding them, we haven't made them attractive to bees or something? Because like other things just pollinate naturally.
0: Um, Yeah, they should do. But if there's no bumblebees or bees or anything oh, and this do that.
1: this is Elon Musk and he's satellites. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh. oh, remember some time ago we talked about our new proper nutrient, which you're going to use on um, stone fruit trees for curly leaf? Yep. Wow, have I had some comments back. Mm. People that have used it have, like myself, found... A little bit of lead, but nothing like normal, right? But the biggie news is one or two people, and one guy in particular, his um, plum tree suffers extremely badly from brown rot. Brown rot is when the fruit is just about mature and they rot on the tree. And it's devastating. It's a hell of a disease. He, he had used the copper nutrient on his tree. And he said, most of the plums are clean this year. I'm e- eating plums. And then another guy, he used it on his stone fruit tree, and his, this is for his pears and, no, sorry, his peaches and his nectarines. He said, my God, the fruit is so big. I said, what do you mean it's big? He said, some of the fruit is as big as a baseball. A bar, baseball. He said, it's a bloody copper nutrient. And that's a fact. It increases the photosynthesizing sensing, of the tree, increases the health of the tree. The tree is better, and we're getting bigger fruit.
1: So there oh, I mean, we go. What if a you wonderful.
0: spray that on your tomato plants and so forth, you get bigger tomatoes, um, less chance of a blight. It could be used on roses, oh, everywhere.
1: Copper sulphate solution.
0: No, no, it's a copper nutrient. It's,
1: copper nutrient.
0: Yeah, what is copper nutrient.
1: There you go. Now, how do we get a hold of you, Wally? 0800
0: 466 464 is the phone number. It's 0800 466 464. The mail order website is the same, but it's www.0800 466 464.co.nz. And then I phone you. People complain. They said I can't pay for it online. And I said, no, you're not allowed to. They why? Because I want to talk to you. Oh! Why do you do that? Because it's called service. Oh, really?
1: Isn't that great? Yeah. Where service. would that happen? Where would that happen? Now, now you now you go to some place. I recently stayed in a hotel and they billed me twice. The palaver that I had to go through, big hotel chain all around the world, um, $149 or something, double billed. What I had to go through to only pay once for one night and the people I had to deal with, took forever, not just someone you could email, not just someone you could phone, back and forth, oh, I'll get onto it, oh, I'll check that, oh. And you go to Wally, he rings you back. That's amazing. Wally, always wonderful to talk. That's our Professor Gardening Guru, Wally Richards. You're on Reality Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We're always talking nowadays a lot about real food. Well, to have real food, you've got to be real gardening. And if you're going to be real gardening, there's no better person to hear from and learn from than Molly Richards. And I've got to tell you, his magic botanic liquid, it's a lifesaver where I live. It does the business. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can send me a text, 2057, email me inbox at realitycheck.radio. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. Do you like what you're listening to or dislike what you're listening to? Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us today.